The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So nice to see all of you here. Yeah, so for these um, talks, as I mentioned, my idea is to talk about some of the supports for mindfulness practice. So many of us have this intention that we want to meditate, or maybe we already have somewhat of a meditation practice, but we feel like we could use some support in whatever way that may be. Either to actually get to the cushion metaphorically, or even if we are meditating, maybe we feel a little bit lost and confused, not even sure, am I doing it right? You know, that kind of thing. So I have a number of topics to talk about. That's, we have seven weeks. I have more than seven topics. So I kind of want to be flexible and responsive to what I hear, what you guys, what some of the concerns are and some of the ideas that you have. So we'll see how this course uh, unfolds. We'll kind of like do it together. I'll be responding to what um, the kind of questions you ask and that'll uh, inform me about what I bring back here. As I mentioned, um, so I'll talk for a little bit and then we'll have a, a time for a meditation. Part of the meditation will be guided and then part of it will be in silence. So you can have an opportunity to practice on your own. And then also I will be offering uh, every week two 30-minute uh, practice discussions. So if you'd like to have just some one-on-one time to talk about your meditation, to ask some questions and get some guidance, um, at 6.15 and 6.45, so two slots before this sit, I'm starting next week. And there's a clipboard on the stage there to uh, sign up for next week. So that's how it'll work, that you'll have to sign up the preceding week if you want to uh, meet with me the next week. And if it looks like that there's... um, Oh, maybe I should also say, if this is something that's of interest uh, for you to want to meet and talk about your practice, there's also... I offer practice discussions um, on Friday evenings and you can sign up for that on the IMC website. There's, I think it's called Practice Discussions, and if you click on that, then you can find my name, and you can click on that. You don't have to meet with me. There's a number of us that are doing this, so maybe there's some other time in the schedule that works for you. Just as an opportunity for you to you know, get some support for your practice. So it's so it's uh, so ingrained in our culture, so much so that maybe we might even notice it. It just seems like the way that it is. But there's so much this idea that we should be making progress. We should be like something to show for all of our efforts. We should be somehow going forward in some way either in our personal lives, our professional lives, our family life, right? This idea that we have to be making progress. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. That's, you know, of course, that's kind of how capitalism, that's how our society, our economy is all kind of like built on this. And so, of course, we bring that mindset to our meditation practice. This idea, like, 
something better be happening. Something should be happening. Maybe I better make something happen. Or maybe if we're not making something happen, we may have this idea, well, this practice that I'm doing should be creating the conditions that should allow some special experience. Like, otherwise, why would we be doing this? So there can be this real sense of trying to do and make, and this is, if this happens, it's good. If it doesn't happen, it's bad. Like, of course we bring that thinking to our meditation because we have that in so many areas of our lives, most likely. Not only do we have it in other areas of our lives, we've been rewarded for that in school or families, jobs, you know, so many different ways. But if we're always trying to get somewhere, then there's just this little part of the mind that's kind of, it's maybe very subtle, maybe very quiet, but there's a little part of the mind that's, are we there yet? You know, that kind of uh, feeling. There's a little bit of agitation, like there's got to be something better, something more special than this. Or... There's this, like, I'm not sure I'm doing this right because this doesn't quite feel special enough. There's this little kind of quiet agitation that we may not even notice because we're so used to it. Because we bring this with us to so much of our uh, life and our experience, this kind of like, well, there's got to be something better or more important or more valuable or somehow better. It's got to be coming up. Like, right? Otherwise, why would you have a meditation practice unless you thought it was going to help in some way? But this idea that there's something special needs to happen leads to agitation. Maybe it's very subtle agitation. Maybe that's with meditation, um, this idea of thinking about what our expectations are and have they been met yet. And meditation, it can be a little bit like the farmer who is growing carrots <laughs> and wants to know, you know, how are the carrots doing? So pulls them out to look at them, pulls them out to look at them, right? Then of course they're not going to grow anymore. It kind of disturbs the cultivation of what was happening there. So it's a little bit of a paradox here with the meditation practice. We have expectations. We are meditating for a reason. We do have some goals. They may be well-defined. They may not be well-defined. But this idea of trying to reach for the goals, to always be thinking, do I have I reached it yet? That somehow makes it so that we don't reach the goals. We don't actually reap all the benefits and the fruit of what mindfulness practice has to offer. Because mindfulness practice is about um, cultivating the conditions that allow for an unagitated heart, an unagitated mind, unagitated psychophysical system, being, just whatever is 
however we experience the world or however we experience meditation. So mindfulness practice is about creating the conditions in which our heart and minds can be clear and balanced. That can help us see what is actually happening in this moment, what's really happening without our old patterns of reactivity, without our old patterns of, oh, this isn't good enough, and kind of like batting things away, or this shouldn't be happening, or I don't like this, or... Mindfulness practice is about creating the stability. Maybe I should say creating the conditions in which stability can arise, which we can be with whatever's happening. We can be with reality, the truth of the moment. And there can be a certain relief to stop wrestling with reality, to stop uh, wishing things were otherwise. Even if this experience is not what we want, it's uncomfortable, but somehow to just like, okay, this is actually what's happening, to actually turn towards it and, okay, this is what's happening. There's a certain relief because there's certain like collectedness that part of you that doesn't want it to happen can either quiet or get integrated with the rest. So mindfulness practice is about this kind of collectedness and kind of some calming and soothing. Otherwise, these patterns of reactivity of uh, pushing away or trying to ignore or pretend that it's not there can keep us in these loops of feeling of meaninglessness or some always wanting to distract ourselves or become addicted to things that are just distracting ourselves and making us feel better. Addicted is a strong word. I don't know if that's the right word, but just this kind of this compulsive quality we may have to always be distracted or thinking about something. So mindfulness practice, there's a little bit of a paradox here, is that we're not actually trying to get anywhere. We're trying to be here. But we are already here, so just to know that we're here. I'm not trying to get somewhere else. The paradox is at the same time, you do have mindfulness practice for a reason. So can you practice having a goal, which may or may not be clear, but practice in a kind of open-handed way, in a way that's kind of lets go of the goal, that lets go of having to get somewhere and always trying to see if you're there yet. Instead, just to be here with what's actually happening. So if you... If your goal or your expectation for a mindfulness practice is to sit down and be peaceful, have some ease, some relaxation, so perfectly legitimate goals. But if those are your goals, sometimes mindfulness practice will be a certain kind of torture, right? Because it's not going to be peaceful. You're not going to feel relaxed. It's not ease. Sometimes the reality of the moment is you're agitated, you're restless, you're angry, you're sad. Uh, 
It's a whole rich, a whole human experience. Of course it shows up when you go to sit down and meditate. Like, how could it not? So, part of the way with uh, one of the supports for meditation practice is to check with the what attitude we are bringing. I need to get this, get somewhere. I want to have this special experience. I don't care about these mundane, simple things. I need something special to happen. Just to check in about that. Of course, we often are harboring secretly these ideas, which is okay, but can we just hold them lightly? Like, okay, I have this idea, but I'm going to come and sit and meditate and I'm going to be with whatever arises. With whatever arises. And recognize with mindfulness practice, actually, nothing needs to happen. Which turns out to be a pretty radical idea. And this idea of, right, we have to, we're so used to this idea we have to make progress. And here we're saying, actually, nothing needs to happen. And that alone is what the, where the power is. It's to soften this idea of something special has to happen. And instead just to meditate. So in a, a moment I'm going to lead us through a guided meditation. So the first part of it will be guided. I'll do some gentle guidance. And then there'll be some silence. So you can practice on your own. Maybe you're accustomed to doing your own practice. So I kind of want to accommodate those people who like a little bit of guidance and those who um, would like to have less guidance. So we're going to have a little bit of both. But before we go there, just I'm going to encourage us to gently, gently investigate what is the attitude that we're bringing to our meditation practice? What are the expectations we have? It's the attitude of... um, I remember, maybe some of you saw this. It was on the internet. It made the rounds. It was a little YouTube video. Um, I don't know. It may have been 10 years ago now. I don't remember how long ago it was. And I thought it was so funny. It was a little spoof on uh, this mindfulness meditation. And uh, this... Uh, now I don't remember who did it. Maybe somebody knows. But uh, this the person who was uh, saying something funny, he was saying that, yeah, the meditation teacher said we had to uh, meditate for 45 minutes, but I'm so good, I nailed it in 10. <laughs> like sometimes we kind of have that idea, like, okay, you know, faster is better or something like that, so... So just to check in if you maybe even have like some of those subtle ideas there that something special is supposed to be happening as opposed to just being here now with whatever is happening. Okay, so we'll take an alert, upright posture. And I like to begin with three long, slow, deep breaths, just as a way to kind of 
exaggerate the breathing as a way to easily connect. And I'm sure as you know too, like long, slow, deep breaths are a way to promote relaxation, maybe some ease. And we can just allow the breath to return to normal and trusting that the body knows how to breathe. We don't have to do anything special. We don't have to control the breath. Again, in the beginning, it can be helpful to just check in with the body and see if there are any obvious places of holding, tension, tightness. You might check in around the eyes, or the jaw. Maybe move the jaw a little bit. Again, we don't have to make any tension go away. We're just gently inquiring if a little bit of softening can just happen or help create the conditions for a little more ease. Often the neck is a place where we hold tension. It can be helpful to tuck the chin just a tiny bit and create a little space in the back of the neck. Allowing the shoulder blades to slide down the back. Checking with the chest and the belly. See if there can be some openness, some relaxation. Feel the pressure of the chair, the cushion against your body. Allow yourself to feel supported. And trust that gravity will keep you there. And you can sit with a certain amount of alertness and uprightness that goes against the gravity. Check in with the legs. See if there can be a certain relaxation. Maybe not, and that's okay. And your feet, feel your feet on the ground. We're here, we're here, grounded. So we'll start with mindfulness of breathing. So you can rest your awareness or bring your attention to the sensations of breathing. That is, 
the movement of the abdomen or the movement of the chest or maybe the feeling of the air going in and out of the nose. Just choose one of those three, whichever feels the the most accessible, the most supportive, the most nourishing. And just rest your awareness there, like feeling the movement. can set the intention to keep our attention on the sensations of breathing. <coughs> of course, just because we set the intention doesn't mean that our mind will always stay there. If you find yourself lost in thought, which is bound to happen, most likely you've been thinking all day. So of course that's continuing. Just very simply, gently, bring your attention back to the sensations of breathing. It's actually quite ordinary. We're just feeling the sensations of breathing, not thinking about it so much as like from the inside. What, what does it feel like? What does it feel like to have an in-breath? What does it feel like to have an out-breath?
you find yourself lost in thought, just very simply begin again with the sensations of breathing. Right now, there's nowhere else to be. There's nothing else to do except be here now with the sensations of breathing. Can you give yourself over to the experience? So now that we have a little bit of stability with mindfulness of breathing, you can always, always come back to this just bringing your attention to the movement of the abdomen, the movement of the chest, or maybe the feeling of the air going in and out of the nose. If you're ever lost or confused or not sure what to do, you can always come back to this. But if you find that you're wrestling or struggling somehow with perhaps there's a sensation in the body that's really compelling, for example, or maybe there are sounds really compelling, you can let go of bringing awareness to the sensations of breathing and instead turn awareness 
towards whatever is compelling. And feel that, be with that, be with that experience. Can you be with it without making a story about this, whether you, whether it matches your preferences or not, or whether you expected this to happen or not? Can you just be with that experience? Can you just experience it? the experience stops being compelling, just very simply come back to the sensations of breathing. Maybe you're feeling drowsy. You can bring a little energy into your posture, sit up a little bit straighter. Maybe open your eyes and keep a soft gaze looking down, but let a little light in. Maybe bring in a little bit of noting practice if you're familiar with that. It's a way to kind of bring a little more energy. Maybe you can gently investigate what is the attitude that you're bringing to your meditation practice? Are you trying to force something to happen? Are you straining? Can you allow whatever is there to be there? Can you give yourself over to even the most simple, mundane experience? Whether it's the sensations of breathing or something that's compelling. Respect and honor the reality of this moment.
So I'm going to be silent now for a bit. So you can practice in your own way, your own pace. And so for the last few moments of this meditation, just check in. Some, do you have some expectation, something particular should have happened? Are you bringing a particular attitude of being very ambitious or maybe not enough patience or something like this. See if you can soften. We don't have to make those go away. We don't have to say that they're bad. See if we can just soften some of the power, the authority that they have. And just notice that they're there, these ideas, these expectations, these attitudes. And maybe come back to the sensations of breathing. And then to end this meditation, feel your feet on the ground. Feel the pressure of the chair, the cushion against your body. And when you're ready, you can gently open your eyes. it turns out that if we can somehow let go or soften this idea of trying to make something special occur, maybe we can realize that something special is already occurring. That is our life. (laughs) 
our life is unfolding and we can be present for it. We can have this intimacy with what's actually happening. And then when we're present with what's actually happening, without the filter of our usual preoccupations, as best we can, right? this is a practice, not always easy, as best we can, being with what is actually there, then there can be some room, some space for some real wisdom to arise, for the best version of ourself to arise. And things can unfold in a different way than if we were just mindlessly kind of going through our lives kind of on the surface of things. So mindfulness, of course, there's mindfulness practice while we're here in a formal meditation period, meditation posture, kind of to help train the mind to just be present with what is, including noticing what our expectations are, what our attitudes are. We don't have to make that it's bad that we have them, but can we hold them lightly? It's a little bit of a trick, right? To have a goal, but also to practice as if there were no goal. The way that meditation practice often works, if you in point A and you want to get to point B, and we all do, we all want to have more ease, more peace, more freedom, more happiness in our lives, we all do. If you want to get to point B, you have to be completely at point A. That's how you get to point B. It's a little, it's a very different way of thinking about things. So just kind of like completely just being here and now allows something different to happen. So we're not making something special happen. We're not um, doing particular uh, techniques that we believe that will make uh, special experiences to arise. Special experiences may arise, but it's not it's quite something that you can't make them arise. We just create the conditions, being settled, coming back to our object of mindfulness. And this one I guided us just initially was the breath. If we find our mind is wandering, we just come back to the breath. Mind is wandering, we come back to the breath. We may do this a quadrillion bazillion times. Doesn't matter. It has no, it doesn't matter how many times. If you find that you're struggling and the breath is difficult, then you can go move towards what's compelling. That pain in your knee, that drowsiness, that reoccurring thoughts, which is a little bit more tricky. I'll talk about this at another time. When that's no longer compelling, just come back to the breath. And as best as you can, just kind of like give yourself over to what's actually happening. turns out that it's easier to be mindful if you were mindful in the preceding moment. So that means it just gets easier the more we do it, but it does take practice. I think all of you know that, right? You wouldn't come to something that's called supports for mindfulness if it were a piece of cake. <laughs> so there's this um, quote from John Kabat-Zinn. He's the founder of secular mindfulness, 
mindfulness-based stress reduction. Maybe some of you have done this eight-week course of MBSR. It's offered at Kaiser here, and I think Stanford has it, Stanford Hospital, and it's lots of places, right? Uh, I like this quote. He says, so John Kabat-Zinn writes, more than anything else, I have come to see meditation as a radical act of love. An inward gesture of benevolence and kindness towards ourselves and towards others. A gesture of the heart that recognizes our perfection, even in our obvious imperfection. With all our shortcomings, our wounds, our attachments, our vexations, and our persistent habits of unawareness. Right, so what is love? Love is often this unconditional kind of being with the beloved. So we're kind of practicing this too, to, okay, what's happening may not match my expectations, but I'm going to be with it anyway. It may be uncomfortable, but I'm going to be with it anyway. And then what we discover is, is that we're with some of the difficulties, some of the uncomfortableness, and if as best we can, if we bring a kind of open-heartedness, some attention to it, as best we can, we'll discover that some of the suffering, the difficulties, the uncomfortableness, drains out of the experience. It doesn't necessarily, the, the experience doesn't necessarily transform, but it stops being such a problem if we turn towards it with our awareness, our mindfulness, our attention, open-heartedness, as best we can. So in this way, this can be a support for mindfulness too, as we start to gain some confidence, like, oh yeah, okay, I, I can be with this too. Last week I was with that painful knee, and now it's my back that's bothering me, but let's see if I can be with it for a little bit this kind of radical act of love <laughs> to be with these things, with uh, whatever is arising. So a real support for mindfulness is to check in with what our expectations are. If we're expecting only to have peace, ease, relaxation, most likely we're going to be disappointed. Sometimes you'll have that Sometimes you won't, right? That's how our lives are. That's how everybody's lives are. That's how human experience is. And we can also, kind of along with the expectations, can we soften them? Can we like hold them, but not to be grabbing onto them so tightly that this has to happen and I have to make it happen? And to check with our, our attitude in which we're approaching the practice Are we like very ambitious? Are we setting ourselves up that we're going to feel disappointed or we're going to get so tight, like striving, 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 that it's, we just end up cultivating tightness and agitation and striving? Do we have an attitude like, dang it, when is this going to happen? I've been meditating for five minutes and I still feel like the same thing. You know, so can we, or we have this sense of like impatience? So, as best we can, can we bring some patience? Or even if we can't bring patience, can we have an attitude like, okay, 
I'm, this is impatience. This is what impatience feels like. So maybe I'll stop there and I'll open it up for questions and comments. But this idea is how to practice with expectations and attitudes that we bring to our practice and how to have a goal. I think in one of these subsequent weeks I'll talk about goals, like why do we practice? But like how to have that and yet not to have that trip us up and get all tangled up and with our practice, like... Are we there yet? You know, that kind of a feeling. Does anybody have any comments or questions or something they'd like to share about? Can we send a microphone down here to this person in the yellow shirt? Thank you. We'll just pass the microphone down. And then this is part of the ritual, so you have to look at it and realize that it's not on, and then you turn it on. (laughs) It's kind of a funny thing that we always do this. Yeah, so there's a little, there's a button on the side, like it's a little indent that you can, and when the green light goes on. It's working? Yeah, and it's helpful if you kind of uh, hold it like this and uh, uh, talk into the top. Can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Fantastic. Now, something I, I always notice in my meditation and in my day-to-day life, and even though I'm very aware of it, it still continues, uh, is that I, I'm, always, I'm always waiting for what's ever happening now to finish so that I, the next thing can happen. Even if it's an enjoyable thing or a pleasurable thing, it, it's never enough, and then I... I I'm waiting for it, for end for it to end for the next thing to happen, and it's frustrating because I'm fully aware of it, but it, being aware of it doesn't seem to change it, and it's just a source of frustration for me. I don't know if you can comment on that. Yeah, it's fantastic that you notice this. This kind of persistent, like, ah, oh, it's not quite right. Maybe the next moment will be better. This kind of like feeling like, oh, whatever's next, it's got to be more satisfying in some way, right, than this. Yeah, this practice is specifically to address this kind of underlying sense of something's not quite right. Not, I'm not saying this is easy and I'm not saying it's going to happen overnight but this kind of persistent just coming back to what actually is we start to realize that we can hang out with what this actually is in a more complete open-hearted way and somehow I don't know how to explain this very well maybe like sink into it and find some contentment even though it may be a completely ordinary unremarkable experience but we can find some contentment to just be there with whatever is so this practice is designed specifically to kind of address what you're talking about this this kind of sometimes it's subtle right even with fantastic things are happening like oh but this is going to end soon we have that kind of thing like oh what's going to happen next and how can i make this last longer or something like that right but yeah this practice can help with that very thing Thank you. And maybe I'll just add that often we don't know, we don't recognize we have this persistent feeling of, hmm, something's not quite right. 
And so we find ourselves kind of in our lives trying to like find something to be satisfying and let's buy something more. Let's look at something on the internet. Let's go to the kitchen. There's got to be something good there. Let's see. This is what I'm doing, right? I'm kind of find myself going to the kitchen. Like, wait, I was just here. What am I doing here? So, right, it's, it's so much this it kind of it rules our life if we're not aware of it. Yeah, it seems like even when everything seems perfect, like I, I'm on vacation in a beautiful place with someone I like, and and everything is perfect. I, I, there's nothing I need to change still. It's like, no, this isn't enough. Something else has to happen, or it, and... Yeah, it's just really frustrating. Yeah. So maybe I'll just add this too. It's, you said it's really frustrating. Can you be with the frustration? Just experience, okay, here's frustration. It feels, however it might feel for you, sense of restlessness, sense of wanting to do something, or just like be, like to really get to know how frustration feels. And then some of the discomfort will drain out of that. So then your response to not having things be just right, that stops to be also that stops to be less of a problem also, and then it becomes a little bit easier to be with what what is there, what's yeah. actually happening. Thank you though. This is a great thing to notice. And I'm sorry that you have this feeling all the time. <laughs> I think it's part of the human experience. Maybe I'll just riff on this for a minute and say, in some ways it makes perfect sense, right? With the evolution Of course, we've kind of evolved to not be complacent and just be content and just sit here and be happy all the time, right? Uh, Kind of our evolutionary for, I don't know what the word is, forebearers, is that the right word? That, um, right, there was a sense of wanting to be safe and looking for what's better and improving on things, right? That's kind of the human condition, so some we've inherited So now we're trying to see if we can find some contentment there. It is possible. It is possible. I can tell you, the meditation practice for myself, I've had such incredible, radical contentment. I thought I wanted happiness and ease. I discovered, wow, contentment is this, it's it's life-changing. Just to have this, like, yeah, this, this, this radical contentment. Anybody else have a comment? Uh, Diana, can we like send the microphone all the way down over here? What I find myself dealing with is um, the meditation starts and then I go into this hypnagogic place of sleepiness. And sometimes I find myself almost moving off the chair uh, and waking myself up with a start, especially meditating in, this, in the evening. And I, I sense it's because I, my body just wants to relax and find at the end of this span i feel very relaxed but i it's not an alert state of meditation so you know i i know there are approaches for dealing with it and um just that's what what's so for me at the moment 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you for sharing. There's a number of things we can do, which probably you know. But uh, one that uh, I find really helpful is to use my body to support what my mind is doing. That is, if I'm sitting in a chair, to um, move up so I'm not using the backrest. And so having to have a certain amount of uprightness is sometimes just enough to make it so there isn't uh, so much drowsiness. Or if you're sitting on a cushion, to have a little bit more alertness uh, in your posture. And as I mentioned uh, during the meditation, um, is to open the eyes a little bit to bring some light in. That can make a really uh, big difference. And to also do something energetically, like maybe the the guidance that I was doing was kind of slow and easeful, and I started with a, I was, uh, relaxing. <laughs> So maybe I created the conditions for uh, everybody to be falling asleep. And it is the end of the day, too, right? I mean, right? Let's um, admit that. But we can use our minds uh, to support it. One way is, I was saying, okay, be with the breath. Unless something is compelling, you can move to that. But you can pick up the pace a little bit. You can, like, uh, uh, check in. I'm just making this up. You can choose whatever you want. Um, there's a there's a classic one, but I don't remember that right now. So uh, you can check like how's it feel behind eyes, shoulders, pressure, hands, eyes, shoulders, pressure, hands. When I'm saying pressure is like the pressure of the seat or the cushion against the body. So just kind of like these little uh, points in the body to give the mind something specific to do, a little bit of busyness in the mind, but it still is some mindfulness and that can help you be here, present, and now as a way to some alertness. And then, of course, an obvious thing is to get enough sleep. (laughs) Thank you. I'm curious if we can talk a little bit more about expectations in the context of life at large, um, knowing that our meditative practice is kind of a microcosm and a, a way to practice how we should be living in our lives um, more broadly. But this question of, you know, I bring pretty high expectations for myself, for people around me, and it's part of, you know, how I define myself in, in my life at large. And I'm I'm trying as a part of my meditative practice not to bring so many expectations to things. But sometimes I wonder whether it's a like really passive approach, right? Like I get caught up with, well, should I be, you know, lowering my expectations in certain situations? Um, you know, shouldn't I be holding myself and others to high standards? And um, I get caught up in this you know, is this too passive? And then, no, but I, I shouldn't be bringing these expectations, you know, in, and I, I get very lost in that. I wonder if you could talk about kind of maybe the, the use and then the the dangers of having these kinds of expectations. Yeah. So maybe I should have spent a little more time talking specifically about this. I think, of course, we have expectations. And I'm not saying for us to lower our expectations. I'm saying to to notice what our expectations are for meditation. So I'm talking specifically about meditation. And, it's, well, and I'll talk about uh, daily life also. 
But to notice then how if we have an expectation about what's to happen, just like how we are in all other aspects of our lives, we feel like we have to make it happen, right? I mean, if this is kind of how expectations work, goals work, something like this. But here with meditation, it's somehow... um, Maybe I'll say a little story that kind of illustrates this, is that um, I I had this experience, and I had even heard that other people had this experience, but it's different, right, when you have it yourself than when you hear this story. So perhaps you'll have the same experience of just hearing this, like, yeah, okay, whatever. But I had this idea that I wanted to get concentrated. I was on a meditation retreat, and I really wanted the mind to get still. And so I was like really trying without, I noticed I did this with my body leaning forward. I find myself like kind of leaning forward when I'm, there's a certain amount of striving and the frustration that I wasn't as concentrated as I thought I should be. So here we are, you know, long days of sitting on the cushion, feeling frustrated, trying to get concentrated, not being concentrated. So then I just like, gave up. Like, I'm just exhausted. I'm giving myself a headache and this, I can't do this. I gave up. And it was in the giving up that I got concentrated. So it was the activity of trying to make something happen that was preventing what I wanted to happen to happen. This is true with uh, meditation is that if there's I was using this word um, agitation. If there's this sense of like things aren't quite right because I haven't reached the goal or there's this part of us that's always measuring, 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 then we're not really collected and we're not really um, settled. And the power of meditation comes with settledness, with collectedness, with being here and now so that you can see things clearly. So I've, uh, I've spent a lot of time in my personal life, probably as everybody here has, in my professional life, um, you know, really setting goals and striving and working towards them and having a lot of experience that, having a lot of success, some not successes. It's different in meditation, and this is not easy to learn. We have these ideas of what we want, but it's not about making them happen as much as creating the conditions as allowing kind of like a natural process a a certain amount of trusting it's more about creating the conditions for meditative experiences to arise for uh, yeah I'll just say that meditative experiences to arise we can't make them happen because the activity of making doesn't allow it to happen. This is different. If you want to go to school and get a degree, you make that happen. You go to class, you take exams, you do whatever. That's something that you do. Meditation is the doing, the making something happen gets in the way of the meditative experience. Does that does that help? It, it does. So I guess what you're trying to say, um, or if I'm phrasing it correctly, is this kind of um, shedding of expectations that we might be practicing in in meditation doesn't necessarily apply in in our lives writ large. 
that it's a different because I was trying to draw the parallel as as my meditative practice being a microcosm of my life at large and struggling with making that leap. Yeah. No, so it's this how they're the same is that we have expectations, we have goals, we have ideas. That's just part of the human experience. We can't let go of that. It's how we achieve them is what's different. In our daily life, we are making things happen and we're also creating conditions for in meditation, how we make things happen is not the same way how we make things happen out in daily life. Instead, we are kind of settling in and being with what is, which feels hard to do because it's where I'm not at the goal. So why would I be here? I would be trying to make something happen so I can be there. But the activity of trying to be there makes it so that you won't get there. That's why it's a little bit of a paradox and why it's not so easy. Because we're so used to (laughs) trying to make things happen, right? That's Kumi, it's over here. So, your definition of um, condition, creating condition, what is it? So I'm, I've, so I'm talking about creating the conditions. So that is, we're training the mind. For example, like we're setting, okay, we're going to be with mindfulness of the breath, and we're going to, uh, when the mind wanders, we're going to come back. You, if you may have uh, this, it may not be like obvious or clear, like what does this have to do with your, um, the goal of practice? This practice of training the mind this way. Instead, right, you don't, it's, there's, uh, let me see, I'm not being so articulate here. Just like we, we may go to the gym with the idea that we want to have, do some muscle strengthening. And then in order to, I'm just making this up, in order to have bigger biceps, we may lift these uh, heavy things, barbells, dumbbells. These things don't need to be moved. Barbells and dumbbells, they don't need to be moved up and down, right? We're just using them as a tool to help us build muscles. So in the same way, they just help create the conditions in which uh, muscle growth can happen. So in the same way, our uh, practice, mindfulness practice, and kind of the training that happens helps create the conditions for different things to arise in the mind. We're not making it happen. Like when you're doing mindfulness practice and you're lost in thought, then all of a sudden you wake up and you realize, oh, I was lost in thought and I'm supposed to be meditating. You didn't make that happen. Right? You just woke up in the middle of the thoughts. You didn't make it happen. But you just created the conditions for awareness to arise and to come back to what your, the intention was. So we create the conditions by setting a, an object of meditation, um, relaxing the body, relaxing the mind, um, doing things consistently, having a certain amount of diligence. These are the types of things of like creating the conditions that I'm talking about. Is that, is that helpful? Does that make sense?
<laughs> you're pointing over here and over there. We'll, we'll see. I just, is it on? Yeah. I just wanted to talk, um, ask, I don't know, ask a question or make a comment about the expectations because, because I've thought about this a lot and I, and I want to just check in to see if I'm on the right path here. Is it kind of like the similarity that I could see between the two was like the, like the suffering that you talk about, about the unease of not, things just not being right and letting go of that suffering or, or bringing attention to it and trying to, to kind of detach from it. And also like in my expectations for what I want to do in life is putting the, setting up the conditions, putting the effort in, but then like letting go of the results, like not being attached to the results of it and being aware of the, of letting go of that unease that comes when it doesn't work out the way I want or when I get too attached to how it did turn out, you know? And anyway, I just, is, is that Yeah, thank all? you. That's a good way of putting it, kind of letting go of the outcome, right? We do these activities and then, the, and we do them, bec- yes, and what, that's like creating the conditions and what happens, happens. We don't get to control what happens. We don't make these things happen, so we're creating the conditions. Sometimes when I teach the um, intro to meditation class, a lot of people, some people will say, oh, that was a good meditation. And then when I ask them, well, what made it good? Then that's kind of like an indicator of what, what their expectations are for how, what meditation is supposed to be. I was really settled, I was quiet, I was relaxed, or something like this, or I finally figured out what to do about that problem at work, or whatever, something like this. I think it could be, so kind of a support is to be aware of what our expectations are, and to not feel like that we have to make something special happen while we're meditating. So maybe this is, right, we're just, we're coming to the cushion, I'm using that word metaphorically, coming to the cushion, and letting go of the result of what happens. Because you may be really agitated, you may be really restless, you may be really angry, you may be sad. But can we just be with that, without expecting that the fact that we're meditating is going to make everything go away and better or something? Right, and that's the part that I can carry over to the rest of my life. I see. Is that when I do something, is to do the conditions do it but not be attached to what the result is and just you know be be open-handed about the results whether good or bad yeah and how does the quality of your life unfold when you do that it's much more you know relaxed and joyful because i'm not you know i'm not attached to to what happens i don't take it personally (laughs) great great thank you that's excellent thank you Maybe one more. Yeah, sometimes like on the weekend I have plenty of time to meditate, so I start meditating and then I start feeling like um, an extreme loneliness or depression coming on. And then I try, you know, if I get up and go move around, it's like, oh, then my brain is happy like it's releasing serotonin or something. 
So I just like uh, some kind of trick to wait out that loneliness in meditation or something like to get to the next level. Yeah, so I have two things. One, um, you know, meditation isn't the cure for everything all the time, too. It's it's a good thing, and I think it can really enhance our lives. But uh, maybe sometimes it is best to be active, too, right? I just want to put that out there, that we're just thinking that uh, meditation can cure everything. And just like I had uh, recommended to be with uh, frustration, when we have this feeling of loneliness is to like really, f- uh, uh, and I'll talk about this in subsequent weeks, um, how does it feel in the body? Like, can you feel it? That is, is there a heaviness somewhere? Is it like, how does, is the heaviness on the shoulders? Is there some tightness behind the eyes? I don't know how it would be for you. All of us have kind of our own way. And in that way, if we can be with the physical experience, and best, as best as we can, it's kind of like tease apart the story that we may have. Oh, here's that terrible loneliness feeling. It makes me feel terrible. And I, I don't want to feel this. And I've been feeling this. I don't know what your thoughts are. I'm just making this up. That um, um, now I'm a, I'll, the rest of the day is going to be ruined because I meditated here or something like this. If we can be with the physical experience, the heaviness, the... Maybe like you could, maybe sometimes like the posture actually can sink a little bit when we have these types of feelings and feel that. And then as best you can, kind of like disconnect as best you can from the thoughts, the story. And then the, some of the power, the authority of the story starts to drain out. And then you can see like, oh yeah, okay, here's this feeling of loneliness. It's very uncomfortable kind of wish it weren't here, but it's, then it can just pass away. But it's not always easy to do this. I know I'm just saying this, but I don't, it's not always easy. And at the same time, we have to bring some wisdom to, sometimes it's not best to just be with it. And we, if we feel like we're kind of like stuck in this loop that we're just going around and around, maybe the wise thing to do is to get up and do something too. So you have to kind of know yourself and experiment and play with this and, and work with it in that way. Yeah, I guess, I guess it's frustrating because I've had moments of like samadhi, I guess. So I'm like wanting to get there. Of but course. Then it's like, shit, like it's dragging me down and I don't know if it's going to end. So. Yeah, right. This uh, somebody had <laughs> this saying, which turns out to be so true. It's like there's if you are doing like a lot of meditation, and and this they said there's nothing like ruining the day of meditation, like having a really good meditation, quote unquote, in the morning, because then the whole rest of the day you're like chasing after it, trying to have it, and just like I said, you can't make these things happen. So if you have a good experience, you often want to repeat it, right? Of course. So it's tricky. This is really tricky. This is exactly what you just said. When we have some experiences and we have this expectation, this attitude, I want to have it again, which somehow makes it less likely that you will have it again. (laughs) This is a skill to learn this. Well, this has been a delight for me to kind of share this and to hear from you some of your questions. And as the weeks go, we'll talk about what are some of the other things that we can 
bring to kind of support our practice. Things that I've learned from a lot of meditation practice. I was thinking that my little bio says I think I've been on retreat for one year. I think now it's up to two years. I've spent a lot of time, you know, working with. So I kind of want to share what I've learned and I've been teaching meditations, what I've learned uh, talking to other people, and to hear from you. What is, what are your questions and what are some of your wisdom? What have you learned? So I wish you all a wonderful evening and perhaps I'll see you next week. Thank you.